Anchornauts, a happy Friday to you whenever and wherever you're listening to this. My name is Greg. Welcome to The Dipstick. Today we're talking about Elon Musk and his plans for Mars and what I think are even more interesting, his plans for Earth right here. I had an interesting chat with a new friend about Aziz Ansari's book, Modern Romance. And I want to get into that because I think it still applies. If you haven't read it or haven't met the guy or heard what he talks about, I think it's a very interesting conversation. As well, I want to talk about what happened when I requested my data from Facebook. I learned a lot about myself, and that's kind of an interesting thing. And I also learned a lot about you, question mark. Uh, If you're my friend on Facebook, I actually know your phone number now. As well, we have some phone calls. We'll play those phone calls. We'll answer those questions. It's great to hear from you. That's today's show, so let's, let's get into it. If you know Elon Musk, he is one of the wildest, most creative, most inventive entrepreneurs I have ever come across or even read about. So Elon Musk is the guy behind Tesla Motors, the electric car company. He's also done SpaceX, the space travel company that is just changing the game. He's also behind the boring company, B-O-R-I-N-G, that's boring massive holes to make way for Hyperloop. It's a fast way to travel across the earth that uses electrical magnets and vacuum tubes. But now, just last night in Australia, he had a keynote where he talked about his plans for SpaceX moving forward. And a lot of it focused around Mars and his plans to colonize Mars and make it a big thing. And, you know, at this point, I think we're done betting against Elon. But what was even more interesting to me was his plans for Earth. And for Earth, he talked about rocket travel. So he kind of gave us... It was a small video that showed people using rockets, kind of like the rockets he's using now, which, you know, launch up and they recover the, uh, I'm not sure what they're called, they recover like the, the phase one or phase two of the rockets, and then the rest of it goes on to space. But what would happen was, hey, if you're leaving from Toronto, you'd fly up in this rocket, and then the, the fuselage would fall off, and you would keep going, and you would land in wherever you're going in Hong Kong, and get this, like 30 minutes. You could travel all over the world, anywhere in the world in 30 minutes. New York to Toronto, 30 minutes. New York to Australia, like 32 minutes. And the wildest thing that he said was he intends to do this for about the same price as you're paying for an economy ticket now on a plane. That's insane. Now, imagine your world. Imagine the world that we would live in if you could get anywhere in the world in 30 minutes. Like I've had a brother living in Australia right now that I haven't seen for uh, at least a year, year, two years. And the idea of a 13-hour to 15-hour flight is just like, it's exhausting and it's expensive. But if I could pay for you know, a, a regular ticket and be there in half an hour, then I could go have lunch with that guy. I could go have lunch with him and then come back for supper. Oh, man, the world is going to be exciting in the future. And that's why I love guys like Elon Musk. I'm behind him 100%, and I hope, I hope and I pray that he makes this happen. I was scrolling my Twitter feed the other day and I came across an article, I don't remember who wrote it unfortunately, where someone requested their Tinder data and it allowed them to learn so much about themselves. And I'm not on Tinder, but I'm on Facebook and I thought, you know, I've been actually wanting to do that. I heard this weird story where someone requested their Facebook data and they wanted it printed. And apparently Facebook sent them like reams and reams of data about themselves and just these printed boxes and they were just overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, it collects so much data about yourself. Well, it's really easy now. If you just go to the top right corner of your Facebook page and go to your settings, there's an option in there. I think it's in general actually to say, uh, collect your Facebook data and then you can just download an archive of it. So I thought, hey, let's let's do this and figure out what Facebook knows about me. And well, 
it's a lot. Surprise, surprise. It's every single one of my posts and my statuses and my messages for as long as I've used Facebook, which is over 10 years now. Right. And then it has like what the advertisers see and learn about you, which was kind of weird to me because it was just so long. And I felt like they just put kind of everything in there. Everything from like, hey, Greg likes craft beer, home insurance. He likes Apple or iPhones or whatever it was. And the interesting thing is because I work in advertising uh, for my day job or, or marketing consulting, I actually, you know, I work with different clients from different industries. And so maybe that's getting in the way of it and why it kind of didn't really feel like me because I'll engage with content that I wouldn't normally engage with. Uh, but what what was really fascinating was every single one of my friends or people I've accepted as a friend on Facebook, it gave me their phone number because I guess you have to tie your phone number with your Facebook account and people like that are fringe friends or even just acquaintances that I've invited into my Facebook circle. I have their phone number. I've got hundreds and hundreds of people's phone numbers that I never had before. And I thought, hey, this is actually really handy to have everyone's phone number because then I don't actually need to look for it. Uh, also kind of creepy, right? That if you let someone in that they could just take your phone number and who knows what else of their data. But I would encourage you to do this, to go to your settings, the top right, uh, settings on Facebook, click and download your data and then find out what you learn about yourself. And you know, it might get a bit weird and meta in the sense of here's what Facebook is telling me about myself that I maybe didn't even know. This last story just happened this week. I was at a hockey game with some friends and we were chatting and this guy was sitting next to you, just getting to know him a little bit. And we've known each other for a, a few months now and he invited me and I said, hey, let's go to hockey with some friends, some mutual friends of ours. So I did and he started talking to me about this relationship that he's in. And he's like, yeah, I'm in this relationship, but I'm not really sure she's the one. And he told me this story about how he had traveled all over the world and got to know different groups of people and that kind of scared him. It scared him in the sense that Wow, like there's great people in California and great people in New York City and in Hong Kong and I know all these people. And what's to say that if I settle down with one person, that it's going to be the right person? Because what if that person is somewhere else? Which I think is a pretty common thought, right? Like a lot of people are like, oh, what if my soulmate is on the other side of the world? And well, for this, I turn to Aziz Ansari. Now, Aziz Ansari plays on uh, Parks and Recreation. He's a comedian. He, he's a really funny guy, and I enjoy him. And I actually had a chance to see him speak at a conference in Boston a few years ago called Inbound. And he had wrote a book called Modern Romance that kind of dives into how our lives have changed post, uh, post-internet with, with Tinder and Bumble and all these new apps and stuff. And the premise of what he did, he wrote it with a social scientist. And what they learned was he used the, the jam example, how people are like jam. He said, back in the day, you lived in your town, and there was only one flavor of jam, referring to one, one, one person you would date or significant other. There's only a certain amount of people that you could date uh, that were in your pool of people. You would never, never really travel to a larger city, that sort of thing. And so you would say, you know what? I, I like this flavor of jam. It's the only jam I see. Uh, it's the best jam I see. I'm going to go with this. Well, what's happened with this explosion of Tinder and people being connected in the world is that you go to Safeway now, and there's a million different flavors of jam and you, and you try some jam and you're like, wow, I really enjoy this jam. I know this is kind of a crass example, so forgive me for that, but that's what he uses in the book. But you try the jam and you're like, wow, this is great and I love this jam, but what about all the other flavors of jam? I want to try that jam and this jam and that jam and we've kind of divulged into this society where all we want to do is try jam and we're actually not satisfied with the jam that we have or that we initially wanted at one point. And for me, this was a really eye-opening study and then ultimately the conversation I had uh, with this guy at the hockey game because it just it's a different world we live in now. And I feel like some of those insecurities we have over, oh, is it, is it the right jam or the wrong jam, it can be really mitigated internally. 
Uh, but I want to encourage you to read Aziz Ansari's books, get the audio book, check it out. It's a really interesting read to learn kind of how we've shifted how we pursue people and how we find mates and, and significant others and that sort of thing. And if you're wondering tonight about the jam in your life, I would encourage you to take a break from wondering about it and just enjoy your weekend. Okay, tonight's a little bit different because finally we have Colin's and discussion. So the first Colin comes from a beast within who was talking about, he makes a joke about Tim Hortons, about the story about the couple up here in Canada. They got married in Tim Hortons, engaged in Tim Hortons, and Tim Hortons was their life. And he says that they should actually go to Tim Hortons headquarters and have a kid and call him Timmy and he'll be a little Timbit. Uh, but he also asks about how I record the show and how I produce Anchor. So here's, here's that take first. Hey there, how's it going? First time listener, just wanted to say, you know, really good. Um, I bet you that couple went to the Tim Hortons headquarters for their honeymoon, and then they probably are going to make their child there and then call it Timmy. That'd be pretty funny if, for the follow-up. But uh, real quick, your your channel is extremely professional compared to a lot of the ones that I've been seeing. Is there any good resources or places that you've used to learn how to use Anchor in such a way that it comes out so professional? So that's really my main question, but uh, like I said, first-time listener, enjoyed the channel. Look forward to seeing what else comes out. Appreciate the call and great comment about Timmy. Here's a couple things. One, I record this anchor on my phone, of all things. I have an iPhone 7, and I just talk into it, usually in a quiet space. Tonight, I'm in my in-car studio, I'm sitting in my car by myself. Uh, with the moon out, where it's quiet and the sound can be contained, that's about it. I also do it in uh, a room with just like a regular bedroom because my daughter and my wife are sleeping. As well, uh, in terms of like how to produce the content, I just try. Uh, I first started on Anchor because I wanted to get better at public speaking. I wanted to get better at doing this. And so I committed to doing 100 days of Anchor and it kind of grew into this thing where actually, one, I really enjoy doing it and it sounds like uh, other people do too. So. The best advice I could give you for that is to, one, practice, do it every single day as often as you can, and then to listen for the feedback. Are people telling you what's good? You can actually see on Anchor when when people fall off on your station or when they uh, go through or who's listening to it. Engage with those people. Uh, and if people are falling off in the same place every time, maybe change your, change your approach on it. Just kind of iterate things. If you can iterate, the fastest you win, right? We kind of say... Um, Always in beta. That's what I was thinking of. Always in beta. That's New Balance's slogan. I think it's really important that you know if you're developing this sort of stuff that you that you do it. You're always in beta, and you're always willing to try new things. So thanks for the call. Hey man, my name is Jonathan Bottoms. I just wanted to say I appreciate what you do. I totally was going to make something up and just have a suggestion and see your thoughts on Twitter, the 280 characters and stuff like that. But you know, honestly. You covered that well, and I can't think of anything. So I'm just going to record this for a second time and send it to you just to say I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for what you do. And uh, looking forward to more stuff. Wow, John, thank you for the kind words. Thank you for listening to The Dipstick. I appreciate you taking the time. One, to call in, and two, just to kind of say, hey, I like what you're doing. It means a lot to me. It's a labor of love. And I've been here, and you know you know the grind. You do it yourself. You've got a good station. And, uh, yeah, thank you for thinking of me. What a day to end a Friday night. Now, that was fun. Things I cared about, new friends, I would call you family, but that's probably a bit too soon. Anyway, thanks for listening to The Dipstick. My name's Greg. Same time tomorrow night, same place. We'll be here. Make an account. Appreciate the call-ins. If you have a question, call in. If you have a comment, call in. Easy way to get on the show. Anyway, for me, it's about 11 o'clock. I'm on my way out. I will see you all tomorrow. 
Toodaloo.